Welcome to Energy Radio. This is episode 71, and today we turn the tables as I get to interview the typical host of the today's or of the podcast, Matt Lansink. But before I actually introduce you today, Matt, and uh, talk about why we're, um, you know, why you're here, um, I want to kind of skip that a little bit and maybe start off by asking you about the the typical background question that we normally ask our guests, which is how you kind of got into the energy space and how the you know how your career has sort of evolved to where it is today my origin story your origin story that's right well um you know i in some ways i was kind of uh, destined or destined to be in the energy space i my father has been in the energy space all of his career and uh, i can recall um you know family trips in You've heard this story many times, but I will tell it again. Uh, you know, family trips of you know going to you know camp somewhere in in Ontario and and always finding a local hydroelectric facility that that we we would go visit. And um, as I got older, I learned that that was not new behavior on my parents' honeymoon, where they got married in Hamilton and drove to Ottawa for their honeymoon. There was also hydroelectric visits on the honeymoon trip and. Uh, my mother, uh, bless her heart, who's been married uh, next year for 40 years, uh, put up with it and continue to put up with it. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I grew up with, you know, a dad who was in the space and uh, an uncle who was also in the space, uh, which I came to learn later. And so in and so I kind of always knew that, you know, I had some technical aptitude Um you know, growing up is is a fascinating journey of self-discovery, right? And so yep. there are things that I'm into now that I wasn't into then. Um, but I knew I was, you know, somewhat mechanically inclined, had a had you know a little bit of a brain. And so went to McMaster to study mechanical engineering so I could live at home and get free meals and free board and free Smart. laundry yeah, <laughs> uh, for five years. And and uh, at, and my high school sweetheart was going there as well. That didn't hurt. Yeah. Um, and then in my final year, I was it was you know the, the, we had gone through we were going through a recession and didn't have a job couldn't you know interviewing jobs would vaporize or I wouldn't get them and so my uncle came to me and and uh, the founder of CEM engineering and said hey do you want to work for me and my classic response as our listeners likely know is no I don't want to work for family and I don't want to be a consultant and five or six months not even that much later I saw on the horizon my pending graduation and nuptials and retracted on my dismissive response to his overtures and said yes please and it was the best decision I could have made and so um, but then quickly after school uh, after I graduated the Green Energy and Green Economy Act was launched in Ontario and and at the time Martin had a side business that was doing biogas and so I went and did five years of biogas project development primarily agricultural uh, some industrial running around you know kind of building uh, three to five million dollar projects to convert organic waste into biogas and, and electricity. Um, come full circle, now we're taking that same biogas and we're cleaning it up and putting it in the pipe. So uh, I've clearly been around long enough to go through you know, one of those cycles. But So I spent five years in that space and then in about 2013 came back to the family business and, and we started, shortly thereafter, we started a process of kind of the leadership and the owner, ownership transition. And, uh, and so, um, yeah, as a result, have had a chance to do a lot of fun stuff with a lot of you know fun people you included over the years and we built a a great organization and really excited for 
you know, the, the, the vision and the mission that we have and the strategy we have at, at CEM. And, and, you know, it's a, it's, I, I pumped up my, uh, I, I filled up my tank in my truck today at $1.66 a liter. It's so crazy. I know. The world, the energy world from a reliability and a price and a security perspective is changing and we get a chance to be part of that every day. So um, that's kind of what brings me to today. Um, so yeah, that's a harder question to answer than it is to ask. So <laughs> it is. It thank is, you for putting it? me on the spot. You're most welcome. And I did it in this that kind of you know arrangement because I didn't want to first introduce you as our, you know, our as our you know our our CEO of of CM Engineering because people know you as our CEO right. of Engineering. Right. And today we're going to be talking about something very different. Yes. Yes. So today I'm introducing you as our founder, as the founder of Phoenix Solar Thermal, and so uh, would love for you to kind of maybe touch on you know. What is Phoenix Solar Thermal, and why did you decide to create this company? And, yeah, yeah. And talk a little bit about uh, about it as a starting point. Cool. So I think it one of the, I, I mentioned in my origin story that some of the things I discovered as I went on that I didn't know as as you know a younger person was things like you know I was more I had more of a bent towards business development on the commercial side than the technical side, and and what I'm learning lately is you know part of that includes. A bend towards you know being an entrepreneur and um, and so always been having these crazy ideas roll through my mind and now you know having the ability to kind of um, give life to them is, is exciting and so one of those you know so it's always I'm always on the lookout for new opportunities and new ways we can serve our clients and so as I mentioned you know energy pricing is going up and, and the world is changing you know CEM C and CEM is cogeneration which traditionally has been from you know fossil-based fuels like natural gas, and and so somewhat you know in the last two years, kind of in addition to dealing with the pandemic, also wrestling with okay, the world is changing. How do we adapt? And so, as part of our transition as an organization, Martin, our founder, stayed on as a vice president of CO2 reduction, you know, leading you know being a leading ed- edge of kind of new technologies. And so you know in and in and around his work, uncovering you know European technologies that you know can help us with this transition and, and more under the guise of how can we bring these technologies to to the world uh, to our clients through our typical project delivery mode uh, but along that way we discovered a company called Upsolicon out of Sweden who makes a parabolic trough uh, solar thermal technology and you know instantly kind of fell in love with the elegance of a solar based technology uh, and 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 had a unique business model which kind of was a, a, allowed me to merge my entrepreneurial tendencies with my you know commercial understanding of the market with you know my technical interest to get into the bug dust and so over this period of you know the back half of 2021 we we got to a point where you know we we basically were um the exclusive distribution and manufacturing partner for Absolicon in Canada and we have uh, opportunity to distribute and manufacture for the US as well. And so to, as part of that, we started a new company because it's a, a manufacturing business as opposed to a project delivery business. Right. And so the new company is called Phoenix Solar Thermal. <clears throat> and the, the focus is you know, to get as much solar thermal as we can deployed, primarily through industrial and institutional applications, mm-hmm. but it will be a um, it will be a manufacturing and a sales organization. The goal is to manufacture these panels 
hopefully in the next 12 months here locally, ideally in the Niagara region. Um, and, you know, CEM and, and everything we do there will kind of augment that in kind of a vertical integration approach in terms of actually designing and delivering the projects. Right. Uh, but Phoenix Solar Thermal as a standalone entity is focused on getting as many solar thermal panels on roofs as we can. And you mentioned we stumbled across Phoenix, or sorry, Absolicon. Was that through Martin, actually? I, I don't even know the answer to yeah, that. Yeah, so. so it's an interesting story. So Martin had a co-op student at the time from McMaster. Yeah. And the two of them were working on, you know, really a study for for me that I had commissioned around or they had volunteered and I said great idea about just a whole bunch of different available um, post carbon carbon reduction technologies and they had a bunch of it was kind of the early stages of what we now call our post carbon playbook and through that they had come up just this the co-op student uh, Ronnie Mushigera was his name just somehow stumbled across mm -hmm. Absolicon as a as a technology and then at CEM, we have a, a, a senior thermal power specialist who's from Sweden, and so he could help kind of bridge the initial kind of gap from a language and, and perception perspective. And then it was, you know, it wasn't um, wasn't quite love is blind, you know, the, the Netflix show, <laughs> love at first sight kind of thing. Uh, but very quickly, you know, we fell in love with the technology. They fell in love with us because we're not just a sales organization. We were an organization that loved thermal power and, right. and delivering thermal power projects. And so it, it was a good it was a good fit. And culturally, I think our two organizations fit well. And so it was through Ronnie's research and then Martin picked up on it. He has entrepreneurial tendencies. He brought it to me and the rest is hopefully the rest will be good history. As good history. And, and why specifically the technology of solar thermal like when you think of all of the technologies that for example martin as our vp of co2 reduction is looking into you know carbon capture utilization storage and industrial heat pumps and you know there was something obviously that kind of got intrigued you i would guess whether it was through absolicon or whether it was just through some research that was conducted you know in, in terms of the solar thermal piece was there something that you kind of gravitated that you gravitated yeah. towards uh, in terms of that technology i think there's a couple things one you know one is is the the simplicity and the elegance of of solar as an energy source right at cem we have not traditionally gotten into solar pv um, but it's a massive industry and i think part of it is because it's easy for everybody to understand you know today outside it's a sunny day uh, we feel the heat we all have burned up uh, bugs through our magnifying glasses as kids on the driveway um, and so we understand the energy there inherently right and and whereas you know coming from 20 years of cogen or biogas or biomass there's a whole bunch of layers and, and i love it and it's beautiful stuff but it's it's harder to there's more stakeholders there's so that so there was an elegance and a simplicity to the technology that was number one and number two was was the the, the business model this mm -hmm. this this focus on having domestic production uh you know we saw a business opportunity quite quite candidly so right. whereas you know some of the other technologies have you know they're coming out of well-established companies that have well-established supply chains they have a role in the projects that we deliver but they, they there's not a missing piece around you know manufacturing and distribution whereas right. you know, this was an elegant technology i think had they had distribution already we still would have looked at it as a technology as cem and we still will as as one of the pieces of the puzzles uh, but we went that next step because there was a commercial business opportunity. And, you know, as, as I said, I'm an entrepreneur who knows, you know, there may be more, right, type yeah. of technologies. we got to get this one going and, and working. But 
Are you already dreaming about the next yeah, yeah, minor If I'm honest, I am, yes. yes, yes. <laughs> no, that's good. That's good. Um, let, let's take a step back and talk, if, if it's not too personal, sure. about the name Aha. of the company. Yes. So, so it's Phoenix Solar Thermal, and the Phoenix is quite specific. There's a personal story. Uh, if if you if you don't mind sharing it, I'd love our listeners to hear that side of the story sure. and just learn a little bit more about you personally. That yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. So uh, my wife and I uh, were blessed with uh, two kids of our own, and uh, they're now ten and seven, and uh, drive us crazy every day, and wouldn't trade it for the world. Um, and uh, somewhere along the line, we both uh, said to ourselves, "We'd like more kids." And my wife, in her wisdom, said, "Yeah, but they don't have to be our kids." And so we began this journey of what we call orphan care. You know, unfortunately, uh, it's not the way I don't think it was intended, but unfortunately, there are kids who can't stay in the homes that they're in and need to be fostered or adopted. And so we went down this journey of becoming approved as, as foster parents. Um, and our first uh, foster placement was mere days after we were approved. Uh, we got a phone call that there was a, a little girl in, in the NICU who had come four weeks early and uh, Anyways, she she was with us for two years, and she has now transitioned uh, to join a, a beautiful family who are friends of ours now in Sudbury, and she now is with her biological sister and three older siblings, family of five kids, and uh, and we went on to foster uh, her half sister and kind of deeply ingrained in the in the in the family, uh, but her name was Phoenix, and so you know she will always hold a special place in our heart. Uh, and so when I thought of this and I thought of, you know, there's, we have this image of the Phoenix rising from the ashes and kind of coming up out, yeah, of, yeah. out of nothing. Um, and then I thought of her, um, uh, that, uh, yeah, it was kind of a, a fitting name. So, um, that's, that's where the name comes from. So thank you for asking. You're, you're most welcome. And I think it's, uh, it's amazing really what you and, you know, your wife have, have done over the years. Uh, I've been with CM for five years and just sort of seeing some of that has been mm -hmm. quite incredible. And, you know, opening up your heart the way that you guys do is fantastic. So big kudos to you guys for, for doing that. And, uh, I'm sure as she gets older and she learns more about Phoenix Solar Thermo, she's going to, you know, feel that, you know, you have that special place in uh, in your heart for her, which is fantastic. Well, let's hope so. We may have to change our marketing material to French. <laughs> oh. She, she was the first two years in our house, but she only speaks, which was English, but now she only speaks French. So. Oh, really? Yeah, it's, oh. it's very cute. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's amazing. fun. Yeah. Oh, that's fun. So. Uh, let, let's talk about, you know, the market. Uh, obviously, Absolicon is in Europe. They are fairly well established. I don't actually know how many years they've been in business for. They've been around, so they've been around for a long time. They've been around for 20 years. Okay. But the first 15 years was really technology development. Okay. It was really focused on how do we, you know, and, and maybe this is a good uh, launching pad to step back and say that the solar thermal market is really segmented in three broad tranches. Um, and we should link back to, uh, we had a previous uh, podcast with with uh, Carlo, yeah, with Carlo. Right. We kind of teased this initiative, so he did a much better job of describing this than I might. But really, there is the the the, the kind of highest um, concentration of energy, the utility scale. You know, all of us, I think, have seen this image of you know the desert with all these you know shiny mirrors that are reflecting the sun's you know energy back to this central concentrator that's making typically steam and 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 driving you know steam turbine and there's a just uh, solar thermal storage piece to that. That's a utility scale. That is not what we are talking about. And then there's a, a low a, a kind of another tranche that's at the low end of the market, which is you know, vacuum tube technology or things that you would see on somebody's house to heat their pool. Right. 
that gives you a very low grade heat. It has a, there's a place in the market. But what Absolicon spent 15 years trying to figure out is how do we make something for primarily industrial or institutional processes, district heating, large university campuses, large hospitals, and industrial processes in particular. And so they they spent, and how do we do that efficiently? How do we capture as much of the sun's energy to do that? And how do we do it in a way that's repeatable and then we can drive the cost down, right? Because that's the that's the goal in every industry, right? but particularly in the center tranche. So not utility on the high end, not kind of uh, residential on the low end, but the center tranche. Um, so the first 15 years was really proving that out and the last five years have been, okay, how do we get that proven technology that's patented, that's, you know, certified with different, you know, governing boards, how do we get that to the marketplace? And now they're starting to gain traction. So they're publicly traded, they, you know, they, they're well um, financed and, and they're ready to rock and roll. So okay. that's, it, that's been exciting to partner with them in that <laughs> regard too. And, and they have several installations, I think, already in Europe already, correct? In Europe, in Africa, in uh, Central America, in, in uh, you know, China and surrounding areas. So, right. Um, their, their model is to, to get a demonstration project. We don't call it a pilot project necessarily because the technology is proven. Right. It's more how do we demonstrate the pro the technology in a local market, and then you know on the on the strength of that, ideally setting up local manufacturing. So, okay. But they are in many you know in Greece, uh, in in Kenya, there there are many projects that are beyond that demonstration scale and, and already at the large scale. Okay. They have many installations in Sweden. Those who aren't familiar with you know geography, there's not a lot of sun in Sweden, particularly for the winter. Uh, and they have been able to prove out the technology there. So if they could do it there, we can do it here in Canada. Okay. And <clears throat> so obviously we're taking that product, we're manufacturing it here, we're a licensed distributor. Talk about the geography. Like, is it just Canada? Is it North America? Like, what? And, and then are there specific areas that we are looking to target, I will call it, just because from a technical perspective, it makes a lot more sense for the, that product to be installed in that geographic region? Yeah. So... We have exclusive rights to all of Canada, uh, but we have because we're already doing a lot of work as CEM in the U.S. We can we can pursue stuff in the U.S. We are not exclusive, but we can you know pursue all of North America essentially. Um, we see kind of two initial target markets. One one is Ontario for a bunch of reasons. One you know we're going to be making them here, uh, but but primarily it's because you know gas as a commodity is is going up and up and up. Uh, and you know carbon tax is going up, and so you have this stacking effect mm. of the price of the thermal energy that we are looking to displace continues to go up, and there's a lot of clarity of you know 170 dollars a ton in 2030, what that's going to do to you know an MMBTU or a gigajoule of energy. So Ontario is uh, kind of the the one key target market geographically. Um, but then what we've also learned, and this was new to us, uh, it may not be new to a lot of our listeners who've done a lot of solar PV work, but this, this uh, DNI, direct nominal irradiance factor, uh, in terms of how much sunlight actually gets to the area, uh, as a big, you know, once you start to understand, it makes perfect sense. Right. You know, more sunlight, um, more direct sunlight, you know, because the angle uh, has to do do with it as well. You get more more energy. So more energy means you know better economics on the project. And so Ontario, because it's you know there's so much humidity in the air, we have a lot more cloud cover. So what we've also learned is that in addition to Ontario, Alberta is an exciting market because they have less cloud cover, even though they're farther north, which is you know, somewhat counterintuitive. 
they actually have more energy than the sun available. So particularly southern Alberta, we're excited about Lethbridge. There's a lot of food processing in Lethbridge. Okay. Good applications for it. So those are the two real, you know, target markets initially. Obviously, BC and other provinces that are looking to decarbonize. We all have this federal, you know, carbon program. So across Canada, but the first two target markets are number one, Ontario, and number two, Alberta. And then you know, the U.S. doesn't have, they will have better DNI, they will have better sun, but they will have not the same drivers at this time from a carbon pricing perspective. Right. <laughs> so, you know, we will pursue that as well, but the first pursuit is, is Ontario. Right. Okay. And obviously, you know, you're the CEO of CM Engineering, the founder of Phoenix Solar Thermal. Is there a link between CEM and Phoenix Solar Thermal? Like, will they work together mm. at all or? Yeah. So there is a, there is a link, uh, not, you know, oh, oh, you know, I'm the link from an ownership perspective, right. but they're two separate companies. But we will use CEM for the integration with the host site. So that's critical, right? This is not just, there is no exporting of, of, of thermal energy like there is exporting of electrons. And so integration with the host site is is absolutely critical. And so see, that's where CEM will, you know, we've been integrating into host sites for 20 years now. So tying the thermal energy in and then, you know, deploying the projects under an EPC model yep. will be through CEM as well. So it'll okay. be an expanded scope of that project for CEM. Um, we will then, you know, buy the panels from Phoenix Solar and, and we'll work that out. I don't want to get too, you know, technical in that regard, but the two firms will work together. Uh, but Phoenix Solar Thermal will be the go-to-market face, uh, and, and CEM will will be in behind. Support. Okay. And um, from a from a client perspective, um, you know, like what what type of heat are you producing from these solar collectors? You're producing steam. You're producing hot water. Like who's your who would be a typical you know client? And and is it high grade steam? Like what what's the quality of the steam? Like what does that look like? Right. Right. Um, yeah, it's 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 a little yeah, it's it's um, the hotter the better, but not there's a limit to that. Um, and you know, it's we're looking at um, there's, there's an acronym around the world called SHIP, Solar Heating for Industrial Processes. So that's a target, and then institutionals, and then district energy. So we can produce up to uh, about 120 psi steam. Um, or, or we can produce, you know, water up to 170 degrees Celsius. So we are really excited about, you know, the steam application because there are not, there aren't really any technologies that can do that. Right. And so the working fluid, you know, not to get too technical, but the working fluid will always be water. And then through a heat exchanger, we will make steam if required. Um, so in industrial applications, it's either steam or, or hot water, of which there is plenty of loads. And then institutionally, same thing. There's many applications where people are doing steam or there's a massive move to get off of steam onto water, high temperature, hot water, and we can meet that need. And then district energy is, again, steam or hot water. So right. in that side, if we start to get kind of above 150 PSI, it gets a little challenging for us. Um, and then if we get onto the lower temperature, 30, 40, 50 degrees, Celsius, there are other technologies that are more efficient. So we're really in that middle band. Okay. <clears throat> and like solar PV as a technology, we know that it only works when the sun is shining, it right? Does. So, you know, in the in the case of Ontario, really any area that we're, you know, installing these systems, obviously it's going to work when the sun is shining. Um, 
what like what is the client expected to do to kind of fill the gap in terms of a 24-hour operation where they need steam or hot water consistently is it the boiler that's going to be doing that do we store hot water uh you know and insulate that so that they're getting that at a certain temperature like what's what's the thought process behind the, the those lower periods i think the important thing to understand is that our our move as a society to decarbonization is is requires a lots of solutions right so there's a move to electrify everything. Electrification, in my view, is one of the pieces. And so as we go to market, that's, we're pretty clear, but this is one of the solutions. It's not the only solution, um, but it is a, a low cost, uh, no operating, you know, no fuel cost part of the solution. So to your point, you know, at, at midnight tonight, there will be no solar thermal generated anywhere. Um, and so there are a couple options. One is, you know, you're gonna retain your existing fossil-based heat generating equipment, boilers, hot water heaters, that, that stays in place. Um, solar thermal storage is, is definitely a part of what we're looking at. And so when we go into a client site, we do what's called a dynamic analysis. Okay. And we look at their, their thermal demand profile. We look at you know, how they consume energy. And then we lay over top of that, based on their DNI and their location, how much and, and the available space, how much energy. And, and there's a profile. And typically, there is excess in they, if we saw, if we have enough space. And there's you know, uh, um, uh, shortfall at night. And so, whether it's ambient pressure storage or at you know pressurized thermal storage, there are. We are starting to. We're looking at a couple pilot pro demonstration projects right now that will feature thermal storage so okay yes but you know there even even then one of the key metrics for us is is solar fraction or how much of their heat we can displace from solar and it you know it will never be 100 percent uh because you know the land and the the time of day will probably never get there so it's about how do we partner solar thermal with biogas with you know uh, energy management right with uh storage with geothermal like how do we make it as part of the puzzle not the not the one size fits all so, solution sorry and, and then from a technical perspective are we are you sizing these solar the solar thermal systems based on like a percentage of their thermal load are you trying to kind of aim for peak loads like there's got to be some way that you're sort of balancing the capital cost of the system and obviously the displacement of natural gas yes. over the, the that period yeah right? and 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 so there's a couple of constraints. One is, you know, just flat out space. Right. right? And so like solar PV, this requires space. Um, whether that's, it can go on the ground, it can go on a roof, um, but but space is a constraint, right? So, you know, that, that will be one constraint. Assuming that is not a limiting factor, uh, then, then it is a cost benefit analysis, which is typically an iterative process, right? And so we're looking at, okay, how do we maximize displacement? Okay, that's, there's a cost piece uh the storage so so there is a bit of an iterative process and, and we try to do that in consultation with the client we were on a call this morning with a large industrial uh, energy user and we had a couple options in front of them and um you know we're getting a bit more information and we will come back and say yeah this is the optimized design so there's this process of looking at options and then optimizing to a, an ideal size on a cost benefit basis the other piece i'll say is that as we see the world move away from steam into more high, you know, pressurized hot water, we in our integration are, you know, trying to get, you know, as close to the use use of heat as possible. So, if you take a large 
a brewing facility. They're going to they're going to be making steam in the central boiler plant, but they're going to be sending it to the brew house. They're going to be sending it to packaging. They're going to be sending it to CIP. They're going to be sending it to bottling, whatever. Um, and and typically the steam that's generated at the boiler plant is stepped down to a lower pressure uh, and maybe even into water. And so our goal is to how can we get right to that pressure letdown right. so that we're <clears throat> you know we're ready for the future when they move to high temperature hot water high pressure hot water we're connected there as opposed to upstream at the boiler plant. So there's a whole bunch of integration that's required and that's where CEM can come. And you mentioned space claims. So from an installation perspective, these solar collectors can be installed either on a roof, presumably if there's enough from a structural perspective, yes. enough ability to, you know, kind of have that load there or uh, on the ground level, correct? Yes, correct. And and they rotate, do they? For, they, they, to, to... they they are one, they, they rotate a, across one axis. Okay. So in the early PV days in Ontario, at the 10 kilowatt level, you had something that would pivot all over the place to follow the sun. But now you know that's changing and so this is a single axis rotation so it will so it's trough and so so the the technology is a trough that has a very reflective surface on the inside of the trough and then there's a the heat pipe runs through the center and it's it's specially treated so that it captures as much of that heat as it can and there's a glass on the top and so if you picture that parabola that parabolic trough you know at one part of the day it's going to be facing east essentially you know and then it will you know pivot to go face up and then it will pivot to the west as the sun as the sun moves so okay. it's, it's trying to get as much as it can it could also it has some safety devices designed in if it senses some weather coming or at night it will turn all the way over to protect the glass oh interesting yeah so there's there's some functionality built in and it's this, i think it's a siemens control system that does a lot of that so it has the ability to protect itself or you know reduce wear and tear at night that kind of stuff okay okay so i went to the website okay. phoenixsolarthermal.com yes and one of the things i noticed on the website was that uh it's labeled as solar thermal as a service yes talk to us a little bit about that what does that mean so we our, our first conversation with clients is is this integration piece which we talked about and then it comes to okay well how do we you know how do we pay for this and so right. we've put together a, a package where we can go in and say to a client listen you're paying you're paying x for for every mmbtu of heat you need um that's you know the cost of the, the gas getting it there carbon tax we will sell you heat over a period of time and we will install the panels to make the heat to sell you. And instead of paying Enbridge or whatever the utility is for the gas and then burning it in a boiler, you pay us that instead. So okay. they will you know, sign an agreement with us for a fixed term, 10 years, 15 years, um, and they will pay us for every MMBTU that we sell them. And so they don't have a capital outlay. They don't have to you know, go borrow money. We will take care of all that for them. And they just, instead of sending their money to Enbridge and, and paying for all the carbon, they send it to us. And so the hope is that you know, over a 10 year period, that is a, a significant reduction as the price of carbon gets more expensive, that it will be cheaper to you know, pay us over a fixed period than it will be to continue to burn you know, fossil-based gas right. um, and, and the carbon tax that goes with it. Okay. So that's, so it's, it's more of a, they pay us, it's new, it's new technology, it's a new installation, but we get paid through just selling energy as opposed to um, you know, selling a, a system on a capital basis. Now, is that the only way that Phoenix Solar Thermal is going to market? Or if I was a client, could I just 
literally purchase the solar collectors? Would you, cons you know, consider doing it just EPC? And I can, I, you know, I'm paying my using my own capital to, to fund the project. What are the options there? Yeah. So our goal at, at Phoenix Solar Thermal is, is you know, my my vision one day is to have you know solar thermal on every roof that that makes sense. And so we we don't want to, you know, we, we want to be able to be flexible. At CEM, we've been doing this long enough to know different sites have different approaches to financing. So. You know, our our first offer is is as a service, but as things grow and as things develop, you know, clients may say, you know what, we never do that. We always do with our own money. Okay, well, we'll just install it for you. You pay us, you know, one time fee, and, and off we go. Uh, we know that there are many good energy services contractors, you know, who are out there serving clients right now and have a program. Uh, that's their business model. So you know, we're going to sell to them on an EPC or even on a equipment supply basis. So. We want to be flexible to to tailor to the needs of the the end you know consumer, such that we can get as much you know deployment of solar thermal and as much uh, fossil emissions reduced as possible. Okay, so I'm putting myself in kind of the you know the like like as if I was a client right who's interested. I've, oh wow, Phoenix Solar Thermal. I've seen the website. I've heard Matt talk, and this sounds great. I wanna I wanna kind of get involved. And I wanna understand if this is applicable to my facility. What does it look like from a project development perspective in terms of understanding whether this is applicable and right from that kind of initial point right to sort of commissioning where it's now installed? What do the steps look like to get there and, and what's the timing overall from start to finish? So I will start the answer by saying, you know, we're we're three or four or five months into this, so we're still, you know, we're getting better at it every repetition. but. We, we, the beauty is we can draw on you know, 20 years of project development from CEM. Right. So we have a we have a multi-stage process for development and then and then implementation. And so the first kind of step once we've talked to somebody who knows they want to do it, we have a questionnaire. So we send a questionnaire that asks questions about land available, about you know buildings, about you know use of thermal energy. We work with the client to get that filled out, and then that 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 questionnaire then. We and our partner in, in Sweden work together on a, what we call a dynamic analysis that comes up with one or two or three solutions for, you know, a proposed execution. Um, and we come back to the client and say, this is kind of what we're looking at. Uh, this is where we think we're going to integrate. This is the energy we can save. This is the greenhouse gas emissions we can reduce. Um, and then if that looks favorable, then we start to talk, you know, some real commercial terms. We start, ideally, we start to move into some type of MOU or a term sheet where we are going from that dynamic analysis to a, a fixed commercial agreement, whether it be, yes, you're going to pay us, you know, X dollars per MMBTU for 15 years, or you're going to pay us X, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars to install this, whatever. And, and ideally that manifests itself into a commercial agreement. And then we have, um, you know, a, a manufacturing phase to make the panels uh, and a site prep. So then there's a construction process. And and that, so that first phase of, of development, that should take, you know, if we can get the right information, that should be a matter of weeks to kind of put that together. Okay. And, and then as we get better at it ourselves, that will continue to shorten. And then the construction piece is, is, um, is a bit more challenging because, you know, as of right now, we're not domestically making the panels because we're so new. The goal is by kind of the end of end of the next 12 months, we are. Okay. Um, and so, you know, from that point, you know, we're going to see the the implementation period shorten dramatically. So, right now, if you call me and said, "Hey, I want 5,000 square meters of panels," um, you know, we're likely 
installing them in 23 at this point uh, because we're going to have to put the production line in first and then make them and then install them. But if you call me this time next year and we're making products domestically, we're probably, you know, six months start to finish is probably the, the target we'll have initially. Okay. So, you know, the goal is to get that domestic production, you know, as soon as we can and then start to, you know, really shorten the lead time. Okay. Well, it's, <clears throat> it's all very, very exciting. Um, the first time I actually came across Phoenix Solar, or sorry, Phoenix Solar, Solar Thermal was actually on my honeymoon when I was in mm. Greece. Okay. And I remember taking pictures and sending it to Martin going, look, mm. I'm pretty sure this is Solar Thermal. And uh, of course, this was just used for you know residential, but everybody has a uh-huh, house there. Uh-huh. So, uh, you know, when I found out that uh, not we as CEM, but that you were getting involved with it, it was uh, it was quite interesting. So in Greece is in, one of the Solicon's key case studies is, uh, I think it's a brewery in Greece. And, and they have these beautiful pictures of, you know, right installed on the roof and uh, integrated nicely. And so, yeah, there mu- that must be a, a solar thermal uh, mecca. Uh, yeah. Speak. So, yeah. 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 It's very exciting. That's that's great. No, that's awesome. Is there anything that we, I mean, we could probably talk about this forever, but, uh, you know, and the, uh, you know, just have we left anything out of the conversation that you feel would be important to add for, for those listening in? I, I think, um, you know, we, we or no, I don't think so. I think we, you know, District Energy is one we haven't talked about a lot in, in, in this. I think that's a, that's a really exciting play. I think, you know, just in closing, we're seeing it, and it's interesting, we're talking to our Swedish partner just as recently in the last week with all the tragic things that are happening in, in Ukraine yeah. right now um, and, and the geopolitical implications as it relates to, you know, the gas that flows from Russia and sanctions and you know, it's amazing how widespread that is. And, and we're hearing stories of, you know, production facilities in Italy shutting down because they can't mm-hmm. get gas. And, and so this demand for alternatives and, and more secure supply, I, you know, nobody has a monopoly in the sun. Uh, and so that's a supply that will always be secure. You know, things could change. Elon Musk could figure out a way to, you know, monopolize it. But until then, you know, that's something that so this this move away from you know, fossil-based reserves, whether it's too geothermal, whether it's too solar thermal, whatever it is towards, um, it, it's accelerating every day. And so at Phoenix Solar Thermal, we see solar thermal technology as part of that story. And so anybody who's listening who you know has medium grade heat, you know high temperature hot water, low medium pressure steam, uh, give us a call, reach out to us, you know, phoenixsolarthermal.com. Um, I have an email address. I think it's m.lensink at phoenixsolarthermal.com. I think that's right. Got to get that going yet. Uh, we we have a, so one of one of our longtime team members at, at CEM is, is as, a, as a side job, as if he wasn't busy enough, is taking an interim general manager role until we build out the company. Uh, his name is Mohammed Murad. And then we've just two weeks ago, we onboarded a business development manager, Romeo Das. So he's full-time pounding the payment, you know, helping clients develop these opportunities. So we'd love to figure out how we can connect with people who are interested to talk more um, and learn about, you know, if this is a fit, how it might be a fit. Um, you know, this is going to be like every adoption curve. There's going to be early adopters. That, that's going to happen. We're excited to work with them uh, and, you know, continue to, to put solar panels on roofs. That's great. No, that's awesome. And you answered the uh, the last question that I was going to ask you, which is where people could find you because I know they the know. We know, know the script. script. Uh, you know the script, and uh, and and obviously, 
uh, yeah, people know where to get you, obviously, at CM, too, if they happen to have anything. Uh, yes. you know, if, they, if they can't reach you via that email address for whatever reason, if it was wrong. Right, and I will take a chance to, you you, you did a takeover on this podcast and had me on. So, <laughs> I did. As I said last episode, and I'll keep plugging, uh, Lisa is uh, taking some time off uh, to, be, uh, to be a mom, and I'm doing a takeover of the show. Yes. So, don't quite know what that's going to be. I'm not nearly as organized and planned as Lisa, but I'm going to do a hostile takeover of the show, and, and uh, we'll probably talk about some crazy things. But uh, stay tuned. If you have ideas for the takeover, let me know. But yeah. thank you for having me as a guest. You are most welcome. It was uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, interesting to kind of turn the table yes, a little bit. Also, you know, Because I'm obviously normally the co-host. Right. And uh, and you are, you're the host, so it was, uh, it was fun. Um, so thank you for coming on. Right. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. You are most welcome. And uh, this was uh, Energy Radio, Episode 71. Thank you very much uh, to our listeners and to you, Matt, for uh, your time today. We really appreciate it. For those of you that have comments or questions, feel free to reach out. Lisa at CEMENG.ca. If you want to get on the show or if you have any guests in mind, uh, feel free to reach out. Thank you very much, everyone, and enjoy your day. Bye-bye.